What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. If you're ready to unleash your marketing potential and crush your small business goals, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Miranda Rodriguez. Over the past four and a half years, I've helped hundreds of small business owners achieve big dreams with small strategic marketing steps. When I say big dreams, I'm talking quitting that part-time job, five times in your income, or opening your first brick and mortar. On this podcast, I'll teach you how to market your business with laugh out loud personal stories, real life client examples, and the occasional F-bomb. Because let's be honest, Marketing your small business is so much more than just a marketing problem. Grab your earbuds and let me show you how marketing your business can be simple, doable, and fun. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. You are in for a treat today because I don't normally have other marketers and strategists on the podcast. Most of the time I'm interviewing um, business owners that are, you know, industries related to your own, like product-based business owners and specialty service providers. Um, And I guess Jackie would qualify as a specialty service provider, as a a brand strategist and a marketer. But we really um, take this conversation in a great direction. And I think you're going to learn a lot because we talk about the nuances of niching down your business, getting specific with your messaging, um, really coming into your own as a business owner in terms of self-awareness and acceptance and identifying what you do and don't want from your business on a very personal level, but also on a, a bigger level. So going from solopreneur to entrepreneur and beyond, how do you grow a team if that's what you want? How do I, how do you identify income goals that resonate with you if that's what you want? Um, and really how to build the business that you want. So we share a lot of our own personal stories and setbacks and stories that are limiting us and how we navigate those. Um, Jackie walks you through some tools um, and positioning exercises that she takes her brands and businesses through. Um, And what I think is so special about this conversation is that in a lot of ways, Jackie and I are operate in the same realm, the marketing brand strategy, big picture vision world, but we work with two very different audiences. So she is working with uh, businesses that are bigger and more established. And I work with you all. So a little bit newer to business, you're in the the growth phase, um, really navigating that transition between solopreneur to entrepreneur. And so this conversation is, has always just really natural. Um, It has a really great flow to it. And I think you're going to learn a lot about how to grow your business in a very intentional way, but also how to um, better connect with your target audience as a result of your own self-awareness and acceptance. Um, and there's a lot of clarity and confidence that comes with that self-awareness and that acceptance of saying like, I'm good with growing my business to this dollar amount. I'm good with having one employee or 10 employees and being able to really identify what it is you want from your business and then putting that into action and how that translates into how you connect with your audience. So 
For some context, Jackie Biebenroth is an award-winning positioning expert and agency founder who draws from two decades' experience as a brand strategist and entrepreneur to help visionary leaders achieve transformation inside their businesses and beyond. Jackie has shaped some of the nation's leading brands using her own productive distancing techniques for brand strategy. She helps businesses evolve and define their true purpose, the why, so they can march forward with unwavering clarity and confidence. At her agency, Muse, she leads a team of strategists and creatives who are dialed into the needs of clients, nutrition, and wellness segments, where behavior and lifestyle change is a prerequisite to success. She's picked up a few accolades along the way, most notably a South by Southwest Interactive Finalist Award and Content Marketing Institute's Content Marketing Leader of the Year. She is just such a a wealth of knowledge and she is so open to sharing so much about her experience and she does talk to you all about her productive distancing techniques um, for brand strategy and she shares some of those positioning exercises that again she goes through with some of her clients so this is a really special episode and I think you're going to get a lot out of it Um, if you're interested in learning more you can follow Jackie Biebenroth um, at JackieBiebenroth.com. You can visit MuseHeadquarters.com to learn more about the agency or find her on LinkedIn at Jackie Biebenroth or Instagram and Twitter, Muse Headquarters and Muse Marketing Headquarters. I'll link to all of this in the show notes so you can be sure to stay connected with Jackie. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy this episode and please do share let us know what your takeaways were, what you learned. Um, I just love hearing from you all, and I just appreciate you so much for being here. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. I have a very special guest today, Jackie, and I'm going to let her introduce herself to you, so she'll give you a little bit of background, um, and then we're just going to dive right into it, and I'm super excited to have this conversation today. So, Jackie, thank you for being here, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Miranda. I'm so excited to be here. And um, again, my name is Jackie Biebenroth. Uh, I own an agency called Muse. We're based here in Cleveland, Ohio. We are a team of women, although not by design. It just sort of happens that way. And we specialize in brand strategy and content marketing, primarily for brands in food and wellness. But we work with entrepreneurs at virtually every stage of their life cycle to help them really define their value proposition and evolve it as they grow. And uh, so hopefully uh, some of that experience can translate into into some great helpful guidance today. Yes, I'm so excited to have this conversation. So, so much of what I do with clients is work on that, that strategy and that big picture vision to kind of make it more cohesive because, you know, when you're starting out and you're like really in the weeds of just trying to get it off the ground and then you get to a place where you kind of look up and you're like, oh, okay, we're here now. (laughs) You know, how do we... Um, maybe make it a little more organized, put a little more intention behind the marketing action that we're taking or, you know, the markets or the things that we're doing. Um, so can you tell us how you got, before we get into all of that, how you got into this brand strategy world? Sure. So I've been in the agency world for over 25 years now, uh, which has been a wild ride. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know how quick our industry changes. So it's it's really been fun to stay on top of that evolution. I started in the field as a copywriter. So I grew up as, uh, you know, someone who was very intentional about 
defining the messages that are meaningful to buyers. And um, the growth trajectory of that role, you kind of grow up into a creative director. And then about halfway through my career, I transitioned into strategy. And I, I was really more interested in, um, you know, not just uh, the visual identity of branding, of course, that plays a big role, especially in uh, a visual field. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but really, what is the positioning of the company? Um, what it, how does that message help define what they sell, how they do it differently, and ultimately why they do what they do. So I just really enjoy at this point in my career, listening to entrepreneurs, tell me their stories, and then helping them organize those stories in a way that's very meaningful to people. Yes. And I feel like that is where like when you your business hits that certain point where you're like, okay, we're, we're in it to win it now. We're committed. Um, the messaging and positioning piece becomes so, so important, especially standing out in, I mean, the visual aspect as well. I always think about clients who are attending markets, you know, um, and, and just like quite literally, how are we standing out apart from the rest of the booths at this market? I don't know if you've been to a market lately, but sometimes I go to these things and I'm like, they all look the same. They all have the same neutral color palette and they all have the same font, you know? Um, but as we know, your brand is so much more than those things, um, than the visuals. It's also like the feelings that are conveyed. So how do you, are there any like questions or exercises you take clients through to help them better articulate that messaging and get to that point? Because I find with my clients, there's some of them are still in the phase of, well, I just want to be for everyone. And we all know you can't, you know, yeah. um, but that can be sometimes a tricky field to navigate where you feel like you're, you're saying no to people. Yeah. And I think that's especially true in startup businesses. I mean, I know I felt that in starting my agency 11 years ago. Uh, you know, if somebody wanted to buy apples and I thought I was selling pineapples, I'd say yes, because I, yeah. I wanted, I needed that money for cash flow. And so for, I would say the first maybe three to four years of my agency, we sold virtually every marketing service under the sun. Uh, we were sort of in a fake it till you make it mm -hmm. <laughs> kind yeah. of position. And we sold it to whoever came knocking on the door. And what happens in those circumstances is, number one, you end up working harder, not smarter, because as a generalist, you're sort of in this uh, place of jack of all trades, master of none. And so it, it forces you to maybe lower your price points in a way that allows you to sell a higher volume. And so one of the first things we do with clients is we help them understand what they're selling and who they're selling to. And depending on the stage of their business, that might mean niching down, mm -hmm. which to your point can be a very scary proposition. Yes. And that's where I find in, in that process, sometimes these stories or these upper limits will come into play where they are not confident in that segment of the market being able to fully support their business in the way that they want to grow, or they don't think, you know, there's so many stories that come up when you niche down and you make your world that much smaller. 
as a marketer and as a marketing coach and consultant, I know that it's easier to have a conversation with a smaller group of people because you can get so much more specific with your messaging. You're not just like standing on the corner broadcasting to the entire world. Now we're actually having a conversation. Um, but what are some of the the stories or the upper limits um, some of the, the business owners or the businesses you work with encounter when they're going through this process? Well, I, I think you really just said it. I mean, it's it's the fear of scarcity in the future. And so, you know, what might has have transpired is that you've achieved a certain level of organic success doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Mm -hmm. So you really have to put yourself in the, in the mindset and the position of your future self. Mm -hmm. So what about how you're selling and who you're selling to is maybe not working for you now. Maybe you're not able to charge the type of price points that you feel like you should command. Um, and so uh, that is the first symptom that is solved by niching because when you niche your value proposition, like and your value perception immediately increases. So as a specialist who services a specific market, I can charge more than the generalist mm -hmm. who serves all markets because really I, as, as an expert, I know, mm -hmm. and, and I can serve that person better and then charge a higher price point for that. So, so I would say that story of what has worked, maybe think about it differently in terms of your potential of your future. And I always like to visit with my future self. I don't know about <laughs> you, but like I talk to her sometimes and she gives me advice and she like gives me a pep talk because it is like in certain circumstances, it can be a, a very white knuckle kind of mm -hmm. decision. Like, Oh my gosh. Totally. What am I doing? Yeah. Especially when it comes to growth, because sometimes you think like, well, am I going to be able to handle it? But that's where that conversation with future self is like, yeah, we'll figure it out or we'll have the things in place or even leaning on, um, especially when I work with business owners, you know, understanding that they've already put one piece of support in place, which is me, you know, so they're not doing it alone. And then the two of us together will be able to put a plan in place for this growth or for this success and something um, that I often come back to, and it sounds like you do too, but it's like, would a future me be doing this, this task, charging this price, having this conversation, you know, I think it's so helpful just for that vision of growth and, and really to get to that place of understanding like, okay, this is one of those things like I, I no longer want to do, like my assistant needs to do this now. Or, you know, when I hire, I have clients make, keep a rolling list of like when they hire their first employee or team member, um, what is that person going to do? Like, what are we going to get off the plate first that you no longer love about the business or is bogging you down um, and being okay with letting go of that? And so do you encounter that or do you have any um, suggestions for navigating like the control aspect of it? Because I know as entrepreneurs, these are our babies, these businesses, you know, yeah. and the more you grow, the more you have to let go of that control. Um, so how do how do people navigate that aspect of it? Oh, my gosh, uh, isn't I wish somebody would tell yeah. me. <laughs> 
um, you know, as, and as a type A woman, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I employ a team of type A women, we have this mantra all the time. It's delegate to elevate, delegate to elevate, yeah. right? And we're just constantly in the mindset of that. But I would say, thinking back to my early stage entrepreneurial career, I really made an intentional decision about moving from a solopreneur to an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had gaps in my leadership ability in order to gracefully feel a little more comfortable letting go of the reins because I, I, I did have and probably still do have some control issues. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I have a true passion for the craft. And I'm sure your listeners do. They have like a yes. real passion for what they do. And so when you're building a business around your craft, mm-hmm. there really is um, a, a very intentional way that you have to Remind yourself how letting go ultimately benefits you. It serves your team and ultimately uh, it, it allows you to grow the business in, in the way that you've planned, right? Yeah. So so that was, that was kind of a roundabout answer to that question. But I will say, um, I know people who like are solopreneurs and have decided that they're going to stay that way because mm-hmm. they prefer the control. And that's okay too totally okay mm-hmm. but it's it's that knowledge is power kind of thing yeah i think that brings up a good point well a couple of points i mean one is that level of self-awareness of being able to identify like i do like the control and so i am comfortable staying here and then the other point being like you don't always have to keep growing like you get to decide um i've worked with business owners who have gotten to a point uh there was one she was working full-time quit her job opened a shop locally. Um, she is still running the shop. She's doing very well. And when our, we worked together probably for three or four years, we kind of grew up together. Like we were somewhat like her first coach, one of my first clients, you know? Um, yeah. and when she got to this place where our, our time ended together, she said she, she was good. You know, she had checked so many of the big goals and she has a small team now and things are going great and it's still manageable and she has kids that are probably around your age of children too like teenagers preteen you know navigating that stage of life which um can end up meaning you're a taxi driver for a lot of it oh (laughs) oh yeah yeah (laughs) you know so she was commuting a lot more at that point and so there was just she was good and we just got to this place of acceptance where it's like it's okay and i feel like there's so much um especially in the online space so much pressure to grow and to keep growing and to achieve the next thing but i think for anyone listening you get to decide what that next thing is and if you want to plateau or press pause for now um you can always pick it back up and that's what i like to remind people they can kind of like turn the volume up or turn the volume down and they just they're in control of that yeah and that's such great advice i i think too you know comparison is the death of joy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so when you're comparing yourself to others at different markets or, or wherever you might be in the world online um, it's important to, again, like really check yourself and, and understand what it is you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I, I had a lot of uh, 
discovery around that, I joined an agency mentoring group. It's sort of this agency mastermind group. Every single one of these people, there's 12 people in the group. They are established 20 plus year entrepreneurs with like over $10 million in revenue a year, minimum. Mm -hmm. And so I'm coming in as this like small fry. And for the first two years, I just felt like I didn't belong. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing here? And it wasn't until I recognized that my comfort level is a seven-figure business that is between one and two million dollars at 15 to 20 percent profitability like Mm -hmm. that's what i want that is my comfort level that is the stage of my life that i'm at i'm not i'm no longer 25 i'm not (laughs) here to grow a hundred million dollar business right right and when i recognized that there was this sense of clarity and confidence and i was able Mm -hmm. to show up and feel like i could really contribute uh, my perspective in a different way that that wasn't a way that made me feel like bad that I I, I wasn't in a growth mentality as mm-hmm. similar to theirs, you know? Yeah. And then how did that how did that impact your business strategy from there when you get to that place of clarity and confidence and acceptance of like, yeah, this is what I want this right here, not, you know, the $10 million, the $100 million. Um, How does that shift the dynamics within the team and the strategy and all of it? Well, that decision ultimately made it easier for me to niche, really, Mm -hmm. because I thought, well, if if I'm not, if the goal isn't to go big or go home, (laughs) I, I don't need an addressable market of, you know, a kajillion dollars. I can really just stay focused and and grow at a slower pace that not is not volume based, but it's quality based. Yeah. And um, so that really kind of um, fueled the decision to decide, okay, we're going to focus on food and wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to put those industries out front. We're going to focus our marketing efforts around those industries. And that's not to say that we don't take on referral-based business. Like we have a really strong financial industry referral-based business that we just don't promote, but we, mm. we sort of get through the side door. <laughs> yes. Of, you know, um, so it, it, that understanding that allowed me the confidence to niche and then also the comfort level to flex uh, mm-hmm. as I saw fit. So. Yeah. Will you um, elaborate on that just a little more? So you're focusing on health and wellness and that's mm-hmm. like the the conversation at the forefront. And then over here mm-hmm. on the side door, we have the financial yeah. because I think, and I think we were talking about this right before or no earlier where people get scared, they're going to niche down and then they're going to lose all other business. Right. But you, the, what you just said is the conversation we're have the, at the forefront is one thing, but then what's happening over here is another thing. And we're not promoting that. It's just referral based. And I think people forget that they still have the option to take on other business just because they've niched down um, in their marketing or in the conversation at the forefront doesn't mean that they have to say no to all of the, the business coming their way. So will you talk about that just a little bit more, like how you navigate it or what that looked like in terms of niching down and then having this referral-based business? Sure. So this is how we make those types of decisions. So I think of it about, and this is, this is a positioning technique. So mm-hmm. you can either specialize horizontally, meaning like the product or service category that you sell, 
So for Muse, we sell brand strategy services and content marketing services. Mm -hmm. That's our horizontal. Then you can choose a vertical specialty. So we have food and wellness. Those are our two positioning verticals. Mm -hmm. Now, say a financial, a financial client comes in, they're not food or wellness, but they need brand strategy. So we actually like bring them in because they do fit within our, our horizontal. They will buy our service. Okay. Now, if a financial um, company came in and they were like, we want Google ads, like the answer would be no. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't do Google ads and we don't serve financial businesses. Right. So um, also, I, I think there is a certain sense of, is this a portfolio worthy project? Mm -hmm. Like, could we have a miscellaneous portfolio that allows our team to do really exceptional work mm -hmm. um, and flex their creative muscles in ways that our current client base is not? So how does it serve the team? And so the first decision is, is it in our wheelhouse? The second decision is, will it serve our team? And then finally, and never forget this, especially in a service business, I mean, products too, but mm -hmm. You know, life's too short to do business with people who are jerks. <laughs> so, um, you know, we do have a, an additional layer of filtering for our client base that we, <laughs> we really just enjoy working with nice, kind, good-hearted yes. people. And, and that's a big thing for our culture and our team. Oh, my gosh. I think it, I'm so glad you said that because... I am always blown away at the amount of people who are in client relationships that make them miserable. And I <laughs> like, you, you didn't have to say, take that person on, you know? I mean, right. and maybe at some level, there is a certain, as you grow, I think you operate with more discernment where you, you trust, like, if I say no to this, the next thing will be there. Right. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I remember once this was a few years ago and I, I had a friend and she was doing um, some digital marketing work and I was just sharing some of like the reviews, like on social media, I was sharing reviews. I was sharing, I've had clients on the podcast before um, and she messaged me and she said, how do you get your clients to talk about you in this way? And I was like, well, we just have a good relationship. Like it's not about getting them to say anything. This is just what they're genuinely saying. Um, like on my surveys and in my forms and on the podcast. And then um, we used to have, we used to do a version of this podcast, which was in person. And um, <laughs> we had a studio right before the pandemic. And anyway, there was a local dive bar next door. And so sometimes we'd go out with the guests next door and it was really fun. And sure. Um, and the, again, this friend, she said, like, how do you like, how do you find clients that you want to hang out with? You know, you, you guys are hanging out next door for, you just did an hour long podcast and now you're next door. And um, my fiance, that's how we met. He was my podcast producer. And so he would be hanging out with us too. And so it was just fun. And again, it was just, for me, it was never an option in growing the business. Like I only wanted to work with people that I also wanted to hang out with, you know, whether or not we hung out, it was just the, the authenticity and the nature of the relationships that I build for them to be that way. Because so much of the work I do as a coach is deeply personal work. I mean, you know, in marketing, especially in marketing a business that you create, there's no 
tougher, like self-help course out there than being an entrepreneur. And so when you are guiding someone on that journey, it gets very personal, um, especially then through the pandemic, you know, I've known about babies before husbands have known about babies. I mean, like it's, it's crazy. Oh yeah, sure. Right. You find out because these things impact your, the trajectory of your business and the type of business you're going to do and the goals that you had. And so, um, I guess, it just is natural to me and it sounds like it comes natural to you but i think for some people and maybe this is another story they tell themselves but they think it has to be hard or that they have to be in debt to their client or the you know they have to work with demanding jerk clients um but they don't so were you always that discerning in your client relationships no <laughs> no <laughs> Um, and you know, you learn your lessons and you take your lumps, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, I think like, as I've grown through this career, uh, I, I've, I've come to value different parts of the work. So, uh, and you sort of explained it in, in that where I think, especially with the maker, uh, folks, it's you you want to have a meaningful life that mm -hmm. you're doing meaningful creative fulfilling work right and so that's what drives you and maybe sparks uh the 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 ball rolling on the on the business mm -hmm. but then ultimately as you grow you start to kind of add value in different ways and to your point relationships um and and people mm -hmm. so are you working in are you are you making a product that is something that's meaningful to you are you making the money to support that lifestyle but ultimately are you do you belong do you feel like a sense of belonging to a community mm -hmm. that is greater than you and your community is made up of your team of your industry peers of your customers and and as i've grown this business i've i've started to put a lot more stock in that community i mean mm -hmm. Um, I meet the most fascinating people. I have such deep-rooted relationships. I, I actually used to call our service brand therapy for the oh, reasons yeah. <laughs> that you said, uh -huh. as we do. I mean, it's a very personal interaction. And um, like at this stage in my career, relationships are almost as important to me as the financial advantages of having a business and, and, and the work that's meaningful that we do. But like, man that is like something that i never would have known at mm -hmm. at the start of my business that i i would grow into valuing that so much yeah you and it's it's underestimated because in the beginning you're trying to you're trying to make income you're trying to get the business off the ground and get this to a sustainable place but i so many i've watched so many of my clients grow up with their communities and it's just yeah. been so cool to see like my the clients i work with come into their own and like really be okay with all the things we mentioned but you know the self-acceptance around the level that they want to stay at getting specific with who they're working with and how they serve them you know niching down all of those things and then when they do those things and you just see like everything kind of click into place or like the visual that's coming to my is like blossom you know you just really see them like blossom into this thriving business um it's just really 
cool then to to watch the community that unfolds with it because now yeah. with them being that level like putting themselves out there in that way just attracts you know a like attracts like but it attracts a different type of clientele it attracts those industry partners who are on the same level because there are so many industry people who see themselves as competitors and who are not really you know into not everyone is into the same community aspect right and so like you just find your people within the industry yeah. within the clientele base like all of it and when it all comes together it's just so nice to be in that kind of community bubble because it truly is supportive then and I know how nice it is I have a um I call her my business bestie <laughs> but you know like to be able to pick up Voxer and to talk through something in real time is just, it's so helpful. I've had coaches and I've had mentors and all of those things, but there's nothing like, like a business bestie, someone you can lean on and, and work through this stuff with just like, you know, moms need mom friends, business owners yeah. need business owner friends, you know, um, for yep. all of those reasons. So I think that's just such a great point. Um, do you have anything else we didn't touch on your I did want to touch on your um, product distancing method and I don't mm -hmm. know if you want to touch on that or if it's going to take us off on another tangent but I'll let you decide yeah I can give you a quick example uh, so um, one uh, so we've positioned over 80 companies uh, by this point and um, I took a step back I actually worked with a coach uh, mm -hmm. and I which I do I, I work with different coaches I've worked with three different coaches to help mm -hmm. me get up over that upper limit wow. situation yeah. um, and I wanted to identify a common theme like what what is something that's so common among all of these different businesses of every shape size size and industry and one of the things we noticed was that when I start working with a new brand um, uh, or a new business owner, um, one of the things I hear quite often, almost always is, wow, I'm just too close to it. I'm too close to it. I can't mm -hmm. make the decision. I feel like I'm just in it, right? Mm -hmm. And in part, that's why you wanna hire someone like you to kind of help gain this third party perspective. But one of the interesting things I noticed in that is, one of the biggest values that we as the consultants bring is kind of sharing techniques to help them pull back from mm -hmm. the inside of the business and read the label yep. from, from they're like inside the jar you know so help them read the label so this is ironic because i am in the storytelling business content mm -hmm. marketing is in essence you know like telling stories on behalf of brands yeah and one of the things that I noticed in brands that are ready to evolve and change their brand to meet the potential of the future is that they um, they are so in love with their past stories <laughs> that they, their, their stories become limiting to their future potential. Mm -hmm. And so we've started to really read between the lines. And I'll share an example of something. It's very simple that I, that a story that I told myself that has held me back for many years. I identify as a writer. That is like my, my ego tells me feels real good when I say that I'm a mm -hmm. writer, I'm a professional writer have been for many years um and so for a while i had the saying letters not numbers mm. i'm bad with math 
I am bad with math. I only think on the right side of my brain. I have no sense for analytics. I hate Excel charts. They look like abstract art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and um, I realized that, like, this was about five or six years ago. I was like, man, that is a limiting story. That, that is me telling myself I'm not good at something. Why can't I be good at this? Mm -hmm. And so I actually hired a fractional CFO. I hired a QuickBooks trainer person. I got in touch with my accountant and to help me understand my books better. And I will tell you, I embraced numbers. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I embraced a love of a newfound love of making money. Yes. <laughs> because I, I've never been in it for the money. I've been in it for the passion of the craft, right? right? Um, so so that, that was a huge game changer for me. And I do think that there's opportunities for every entrepreneur mm -hmm. to stop and say, what am I continually repeating to myself that might seem true, but might be holding me back from, from getting over that upper limit? Yes, I think that's so powerful. And I something I talk about with my clients is understanding their numbers just because it is empowering when you have a handle on the business they paint a whole other picture um and even if you're not diving deep into the financials just having kind of that higher level picture of like what did the numbers say about the health of my business and how does this impact the decisions that i'm making so i think that's a really powerful example and i would um i mean one one thing that comes up for me a lot is or it used to and it's something i have found my, you know, like I'm paying a lot more attention to now, but I have a corporate background. So for seven years before I started my business, I did um, corporate marketing. And when you come up in the corporate world, it's very tactical. You know, what, what type of marketing can you do? So all of the different silos and the marketing channels. Um, and recently, so, and I like strategy and vision. So I created this for the past six years business around strategy and vision and having these conversations, mm -hmm. coaching and consulting as a hands-off marketer. Um, and then I had a conversation recently with someone who is deep in the corporate marketing world. She's a VP of a very large corporation and we were just talking. Um, and she essentially said, <laughs> if you were to come back into the corporate world now, you have created a position outside of the corporate world that you're not qualified for inside of the corporate world because that strategy is reserved for like super high level you know c-suite and above and because i didn't get to that strategy level in the corporate world climbing that ladder you know i like created a bypass there <laughs> and at first i was so upset by that conversation and it was just like a coffee chat you know a friend was like oh you two should you both do marketing strategy you, you should connect and um we're both local and then i later realized i was so triggered by it because that is what the story is over and over again that you can't get paid to coach and consult on marketing like if you're not doing the marketing then you can't get paid for it and that and it comes up because in the beginning of the my entrepreneur career that was the number one thing oh so you do social media oh so you do oh. website design you know <laughs> over and over and i'm like no no strategy consulting hands off i'm not doing any of it i'm helping you or your team put a plan together to execute you know and so i think that's something that the more i go on this path 
the more I realized that really p- played a role, like hindered my growth in the beginning. Um, oh, yeah. You know, like buying into that belief that, oh, it's going to be hard to get paid for strategy work or no one's going to pay for consulting. And there are a lot of people who don't want to pay for it. They want to pay for the work to be done, right, and taken off their plate. Um, but there are so many people, so many of the entrepreneurs I work with, they love the marketing aspect. Like they don't want to hand that off. They would hand off, you know, 10 other things before they let go of that because they are actually passionate about that because marketing at its core is creative. And you know this too. Yeah. Yeah. And what a valuable service I will say, you know, our, our clients are always, especially our entrepreneurial clients, they are always like, am I spending my money and time in the right way? Like, how do I know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) know, Like, so uh, I, in my opinion, there should be more strategists yes. out there offering <laughs> this type of service. And um, I, I, we just put out a newsletter today, in fact, and the headline was, uh, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, that you got to build the roadmap, right? Yes. So. You have to know where you're going, because if you're just spending yeah. money on the, the tactical things and not understanding how it all works together, and if it's all getting you to the intended goal or you know destination then you're just throwing money away ultimately um and time too you know spending time to do those things and so i think that's just such a great reminder for people listening to just pause and maybe think about you know what is a story that's come up on repeat for them or something that's holding them back um from their growth so as we close out the the podcast um is there anything you want to leave with the audience today you've already shared so much and i really appreciate it but any last thoughts sure so uh the one thing i i I will say and um now that we almost always work with established brands that are going through some kind of refresh Mm -hmm. is that you know change is a constant and so evolution is a natural part of your growth trajectory whether or not that's a financial growth trajectory it doesn't matter your industry will change around you your competitive set will change around you so keeping an eye and feeling very comfortable in change i i think is really important um i often use the the example of like from a brand standpoint, like your brand and you as the entrepreneur, you should evolve together, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you, if you are going to move from a solopreneur to a a more team oriented environment, that's going to take evolution on your part. It's not just about the changes in the business. You're going to have to do some personal growth work to kind of get you into a leadership mindset. Right. So, so um, I always like to tell people like, you know, embrace the change and and take it as it comes because that's I think in part what makes um, our um, our industry and and our ability and to be entrepreneurs like such an exciting uh, proposition. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it is so exciting. Sometimes a little daunting, but I think yeah. when you like just it is it's ever changing, and that's like if I 
think about a corporate marketing role, I think, oh, how boring. Like I didn't get into marketing <laughs> to be pigeonholed into one industry. You know, I got into marketing because I want to see what's going on in the other, other industries and to grow and evolve as an individual, but as a business owner too. So um, thank you so much, Jackie, for being here today. How can people stay connected with you? Sure. So uh, our website is museheadquarters.com. We have an Instagram of that same name. And then uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, at Jackie Biebenroth. And I also have a personal Instagram that I don't keep up on, but you can find it there too. <laughs> How would you have time? How do you have time to even yeah. keep up with the? Yeah, I understand. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. If you loved what you heard today, take a screenshot of this episode and share it with your community on Instagram. Be sure to tag me at Marketing Uninhibited so I can share you with my community. And don't forget that you can achieve your big business dreams with small marketing steps. Talk to you next week.